Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 53 of Casual Watch Talk, and I'm back Chris. You're back. We've had a week off. Yes, and you've made it. I'm just in a different location. Yeah, you made it to your destination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So sorry everyone, there was no podcast last week. We did try and make it work, but I was waiting for various monitors and stuff to arrive, but we moved successfully from California to Florida, so yeah, just, thanks everyone just who's in, checking Just in time the, uh, for the... Uh, for the rain, it, was, uh, it is 55 here and was raining all day yesterday, so <laughs> probably nicer there wow. than it is here. <laughs> yeah, so thanks everyone who's checking in on the uh, Casual Watch Talk Facebook group, mm. wondering where I was, oh, good. much appreciated. Yes. But yeah, it's been, it's been a fairly easy move. I think a lot could have gone wrong, especially in the world of COVID, but other yeah, than that, yeah. it was, uh, it was a decent cro- move. So more about my Florida adventures yeah. coming up. Yeah, plus a cross-country <laughs> which i have done i've done a done a cross-country move yeah there's some logistic some logistical problems there so good yeah it wasn't uh we decided to sell our furniture and i think i was chatting to you kind of off off script one day about this and you were saying yeah don't move your furniture right. if you can at all possible not do it and we didn't do That's it good. and i'm so <laughs> grateful it's good it's good as uh, i think the quote my quote is uh yeah we have robots that make furniture and they and they're everywhere so you can just buy just buy new furniture sorry <laughs> just give it just pop it up on craigslist and just go get something else nice it's fine it's been a busy watch work week hasn't it bit. news week so we'll get into that yeah. but how, how have you been chris in my in my absence uh fairly well a little uh staying busy with work uh staying busy with other things so doing uh doing fairly well should we kick it off with um, only the second watch obsession of the That's year right. so far? Because we had a week off. That's right. What's your watch obsession been? Uh, I, I'm going to be, it's a continuation of the sale of the Zen 144 Bell & Ross GMT that I had. And I was all excited to bring you guys some like inside breaking. And uh, it went seven days with no bids <laughs> the first time. And uh, then I became impatient, and so this is my this is my uh, advice to you and everyone listening: uh, don't do that. <laughs> Be patient, and uh, maybe list it for a little bit more if you think you if you think you can get it. You know, you it's always that game to start, try to price. And I'll tell you, this watch fell right in between the. Seventeen, eighteen hundred dollar, twenty two hundred dollar range it was like right in there, and I felt like maybe it would be worth a little bit more because it's, you know, it's it's kind of new vintage. It's got the it's got the tritium loom. It's in well taken care of shape. It's it's been tested by a watchmaker, etc. But it's also a twenty plus year old watch. Uh no bids for it the first time out. So, uh, watch didn't sell. And I thought, well, what can I do? And I went back and I did, the weekend was coming up. And so I thought, well, maybe because sometimes it's good to end auctions on the weekend. And so I said, all right, I'll end auction on like a Sunday afternoon. So I did a three day and I did the, eBay does a, 
the buy it now price has to be at least 30% more than the, than the starting bid price. And I thought I would get more than the starting bid. I, I started out at $1,800. And so I think the buy it now was like 20, 24, 50 or whatever 30% right. is. And, um, and I watched it and I had, you know, five, five, 10, 15, 20 watchers on it. Viewers, the, the view counts going up to a thousand. I'm feeling pretty good. And then someone sniped it on Sunday at the last second for $1,800. So, so it's, it didn't go for more than that, which is, which is okay. It's, I think it's a fair, I think that's a fair price with the bracelet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would have, would have liked to get a, a couple hundred more only because of the, uh, 10% that I'll pay to eBay, the $24 in shipping and insurance um, et cetera. So to complicate things and to, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I'll de-anonymize anyone that's, uh, if, if, if they're listening and they, they think they suspect it's them, they'll know. Uh, but on top of all this, it was shipped to, uh, one of those, uh, military addresses that um, catches yeah. you. Like if you haven't done any eBay shipping, if you haven't done a lot of eBay shipping, these always catch people off guard. Cause it's like a P O F P po box whatever it's like it's like united states apo and then there's a number and you're just like wait what you're like that's the address and like where is this going and honestly it's it's military so it could be you could you could have one of these and be stationed in germany you could be stationed anywhere in the world um and they'll forward it on to you and and you you know it's just it's just a part of the united states postal service that's that they do for our uh enlisted and um yeah so it was like on top of on top of everything i was like oh i had to like send it to this random this random scary address uh that says it's going to take like six seven days to to get there so i i assume it's not anywhere in the united states uh it's still in transit so hopefully it'll get to its new owner and everything will be cool and i can transfer some paypal over but yeah, it was a bummer because I was excited to tell you guys about how the two thousand dollars, so the two thousand dollars threshold where it gets checked out by an independent watchmaker, that didn't happen. I would also like to have made more money on it, that didn't happen. So you know, <laughs> we're starting to yeah, start twenty. It's one of those things, eBay, isn't <laughs> just, it? Like yeah. you can't you can't judge a lot of stuff. I sell loads of things on eBay, and sometimes you get a nice surprise, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, it's kind of swingers swings and roundabouts, isn't it? With it. Yeah. Had I had I had to do it again, I would have listed it not as a auction because it's sort of a unique item. I feel like if it's a not I, I feel like, you know, uh, if we're selling uh John Mayer's G-Shock, right? Then you do an auction and you start it at 350. <laughs> and then you see, you know, who's going to bid it up, right? And you're going to get a bunch of bids for it, right? Because you know tens of thousands of people are looking for that. But when it comes to sort of unique vintage watches, depending on brand, I mean, like if I, you know, if you had like even like like a tag or something, you know, like just some, you know, some uh, maybe 10, 15 year old vintage chronograph, there's there's kind of no telling what the market for that is going to be. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you have one, so you don't know. And like I say all the time, you know, everybody claims that it's that your thing is worth thousands of dollars, but it isn't worth that until someone gives you actual money for it. So, so mine was worth eighteen hundred dollars. 
Yeah, I sell quite a lot on eBay, and one of my tips is I never have anything on bid. I always do buy it now or best offer. Yeah, I never bid yeah. anything. I think that's I think that's the correct. Yeah, I I think the buy it now is important, but the buy it now being thirty percent higher, I don't think anyone was going to click on that. And that was, I think, the problem. I should have just listed it as a as just a flat flat price. Buy it now. So yeah. I do buy it now or best offer and then I'll do like an auto accept. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Best offer, auto accept. Yep. I've done that before. Again, kicked in myself a little bit. Should have done that. But that's my uh that's my obsession this week, Sam. Wow. Well I've had I don't know whether I've had an obsession really. I I keep looking at those Mickey Keith Herring watches, but I, I've been resisting. You, you are in an, an empty room, Sam. I mean you got plenty of space there. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm in a new studio room. That's why it's a bit echoey, everyone. I'm going to get some sound deadening blankets. And also, I've not been uploading to the YouTube channel either, but I've got a new setup. I'm going to start the year afresh. I also slightly changed the name of the channel from the casual watch reviewer to just casual watch reviews, because then it's not all about me and other people have expressed interest in uploading content to the channel. So I, I might leave that as a as an option open to people as well. Nice. I've been looking at watches off and on, but really I've been wearing nothing but this Breitling B1. Yeah. Um, I put it back on its original bracelet for traveling because I didn't want to ship the bracelet separately or carry it separately oh, okay. because yeah. the bracelets are even secondhand. I mean, yeah. it's a 25 year old watch yeah. and the bracelet's yeah. still and, $500. Uh, I just, I uh, was chatting on the Facebook group that I, I am on the hunt in my home. There's somewhere in my house. I'm, I'm on the hunt for two links, two extra links for my uh, Zinn fine link bracelet. Still have no idea where those are. Uh, so I totally understand the, uh, like not wanting to separate them from the watch. Cause especially during a move, you're like, I'll never, I'll never find this bracelet. <laughs> I've never, consistently worn it on the bracelet mm. in fact this one didn't come with the bracelet it was the other brightling that i had oh okay but because i've got so many watch straps i like to change it out but i've been wearing it on the bracelet and it's so comfortable i just i think this is like my ideal watch i need to make a video on it but it, yeah everything about it i love i love about it. it's so weird yeah no i mean it's, yeah, it's been a good I'd, I'd say when did you when did you first pick that up was that was that before pandemic no the pandemic changed my mind on that that's right that's right yeah 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 it really changed my view but this thing's amazing i use it and as an alarm in the night you can press the crown Mm. in and it's you know it's quite bright the only negative thing with it is is that the hands sometimes interfere with the um when you're looking at night so sometimes you'll look at it and i'll look at it and think oh my god it says eight in the morning i've slept in but it isn't it's just because it's obscuring the six. Oh, i say yeah the, the hand so just kind of cuts weird. it perfectly i say i say yeah is that the yeah. um so, is that the style is that the brightling style with the sort of the diagonal style bracelet that they do yes okay it's a weird bracelet yeah. it's like off center yeah it throws off your um sort of ocd when you first <laughs> get it but it's very comfortable yeah yeah that's a cl- i mean that's a classic uh brightling bracelet style that sort of slant slanted link style that they do it's kind of their thing so cool it's really controversial because if nobody's seen it like it's the central link that holds all of the weight the other links aren't kind of they're all connected through the central Mm -hmm. one i suppose most bracelets are like that but this looks even more obvious i see yeah yeah 
but it's very comfortable. It flexes very well, mm. and it's a heavy bracelet, but you don't notice yeah. it. it. It kind of warms with your arm, mm-hmm. so it's really nice. comfortable. I mean, it was scorching hot today, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was absolutely perfect. Cool. But anyway, it's been a, a busy news week, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got some a few stories to go through, then we've got some... Chris will go over some big news from Patek. And then I think for our main topic, we're going to cover, I think, probably the most controversial release of uh, recently. Uh, Bark and Jack just did a video on this, but we'll be talking about the Zenith's new release, I think, for the lion share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought this was quite interesting that Edox, and you don't hear a lot from them, do you, Edox? No, I mean, that it's one of those um, mostly Euro- like European brand, they they do have some ads here i think they're they're sold here you can certainly get a hold of them but it's very much a uh european um style you know european promoted brand robert on our facebook group he's got um an edox mm-hmm. watch and he quite he, he really likes the history of it but they've released a, a watch they haven't said whether it's a limited edition i don't think it is but it's based on something called the inverse moon landing that happened in 1978. Hmm. Have you heard of this before? I have not. I have not. So apparently that it's the inverse moon landing because it was divers and they made their way to 320 meters deep under the waters of Norway and they they planted the Norwegian flag at that depth. Oh. So 320 wow. meters is legendary, but you uh, you give somebody a dive watch that's uh, you know four hundred meters and they'll start complaining that it's not a thousand meters. Right, but <laughs> right, right. Like... yeah. Uh, so it what... it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is that and that's just uh, it was oh okay. It was just it was just the giant leap that they yeah. managed to get three hundred and twenty meters under the icy waters off Norway. So. Yeah, at that I time, see. and it looks like the guy was in, uh, apart from the dive helmet looking different, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I was expecting, because I think they go deeper now, but they have those almost like robotic Michelin man type suits. Don't right, they, yeah, where it's, where you're, yeah, you're basically wearing a submersible kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and this uh, this watch is, I mean, normally if you said to me a PVD watch, which I don't like PVD black watches, and it's got gold hands, I think, oh, it looks a bit. It probably look a bit cheesy, mm-hmm. but this actually looks okay. I think it's They've like done a, a good job and it looks this. like a rose gold. It, yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. I mean, it kind of they kind of matched that. I mean, it uh, it's it's the typical faux patina color, but I think it works because it matches the color of the gold. You know, I always we always you know we've beaten this one to death, but. Uh, uh, certainly, I think here they're matching the color of the hands and the gold versus a, a you know this is the color it is not they're not, I don't think it's a I don't think it's calling out to a patina. No, so no, exactly. It's, it's, it's cool though. Uh, it looks good. Yeah, and it's a really nice uh, tie-in as well about a bit of history that were perhaps that's not necessarily like commonly known because I'd not heard of it before this. I'm sure there's people screaming at their podcasting app going, oh, that was very famous. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, all, all our listeners in yeah. Norway will be outraged yeah. that we forgot that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I mean, it's quite an achievement, certainly. I mean, especially since I, you know, we like, it was, uh, I think it was a couple of days ago, I had a friend of mine who was, we were, we were chatting, didn't know much about 
uh, watch, uh, you know, waterproof ratings. And, and yeah, we just kind of had that, like, they're like, oh yeah, it, it, it does 200. It's fine. You're like, it's not fine. It's, you know, like it, it at 70, if, if you're a, you know, a recreational diver, diver, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll die if you don't have the right equipment at 70, but yes, tell me about it's not 400 or tell me about that. It's not 200, you know, <laughs> oh, you've just totally reminded me of something. It, it, I'd, I'd, you would only have seen it if you subscribed to Disney Plus, but there's a new Marvel spin-off called WandaVision, and it's basically got um, the Scarlet Witch in it and Vision. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the first couple of episodes, but it's they something's happened where they're like locked in a TV show, Bewitched or something. Okay. So they've Marvel have basically recreated a Bewitched type TV show, and they've done an incredible job of capturing that 1950s-esque. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in between, they've made like a fake, fake adverts. So they have like, um, oh, the, the Stark Toaster 3000 or whatever. Anyway, in the second episode, it's got, if anybody's like a Marvel geek, I, I will just, I'll just geek out for a second, mm-hmm. but there's a watch advert in it. And uh, it talks about this uh, this watch and then, Instead of the waterproof thing, it says uh, 1,000 Hydras, which obviously gives a cute clue right. to the, you know, the nemesis of Captain America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they've done an a, it's incredible job they've done with this TV show. But uh, anyway, cool. that was a little yeah, digression. Yeah. I go back and forth with Braymont. Sometimes I'm, I'm calling them out for stuff and then they come with something. They've done something nice and they should be highly commended. Mm-hmm. I know they're... They give an incredible discount to the military as well, like that. So they're, they're the darling of the um, some of the armed forces. But they're going to actually they're working with that Bernardo's, and I don't know whether Bernardo's is just a British charity. It's a very well known British charity for um, Bernardo was was actually a, a guy, Doctor Bernardo, okay. and he his the charity is about children. I think it was originally like he started orphanages and mm-hmm. stuff. But anyway, it's become a children sort of from impoverished mm-hmm. homes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's actually a fantastic charity. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Braymon are going to be giving a laptop for every watch that they sell. They're going to be giving a laptop to Dr. Bernardo's to transfer to a child. So on the face of it, like very commendable it's only when they tie them to the sort of the sales i i wonder how many that they would just like do is that like when it when it becomes like when it's tied to the advertisement they have to be careful <laughs> i think yeah it's like buy this watch and we'll donate a, a laptop to a kid. right right i and i feel like i feel like i i would are they gonna just give like are they i would assume they are signed up to to already donate a minimum number I would assume that's the case. But it's interesting, like, companies definitely have to be careful about how they market this sort of stuff because, you know, you you want to do something nice and what you want to do, some, you know, you want to do something, but, you know, it, and it's okay to get something back and it's okay to get the community involved. Um, and just, uh, it's often, uh, you just have to be careful, tread tread very lightly on how they do it. Uh, I would assume. Yeah, exactly. That, uh... No, I agree with you. And I think what they've done is they haven't they haven't directly done a limited edition or whatever. Okay. And I think you could actually donate on their website without buying a okay, watch as well, good. which I suppose yeah. is pretty cool. So yeah. So so uh, a pat on the back for for Braymont yeah. this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all to play for. Right. Next week. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're up in the their their scores up now, but we we'll soon see. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then a, a real quick throwaway one here, I suppose. Well, it, I mean, it's it's a big deal for them, but Oris have created a small seconds version of that Calibre 400 we were that. talking about. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, it looks pretty... I mean, a good job on them. I mean, they're getting five days power reserve out of this yeah. thing. So it, it's incredible and... I mean, it's a beautiful-looking movement, isn't it, from the photos? Yeah, I think Oris is, uh, recently, with, with some of their technology stuff, as far as, a, as, far as an in-house movement uh, maker, you know, I, I think they're one of the brands that, have, that I've seen a lot more from. Um, I, 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 you know, kind of going back to, you know, does, a, does an in-house movement matter? Well, you know... It's uh, I think it's a, a checkbox on the marketing list, but here's a case where uh, they have an in-house movement and they're pushing the development of those movements. Um, unlike unlike maybe some watch manufacturers who are like, well, we you know we made a clone of the ETA two eight two nine you know nine two or whatever you know we just made a clone of that and we we kind of put our you know our spin on it. Um, Resorus is really you know taking advantage of of that of their technology and and pushing that which is which is very cool i agree with you they're not just creating an in-house movement they've actually advanced it technology mm-hmm. technologically as well so yeah i agree mm-hmm. with you there. yeah yeah the last one that i had before we pause for a quick break and then we'll talk about patek and zenith is this this was interesting again all these stories or most of them today that i'm talking about from watch pro it's still a, one of the best sources i think it's even better for sort of industry news and things like that, I think it's better than a Hodinkee mm. uh, Watch mm-hmm. Pro. But anyway, something I I didn't expect this to be a story because I thought it would be the other way around. But apparently Kickstarter, which is commonly used... I mean, I've backed watches on Kickstarter. We've talked about it a lot. There seems to be a lot of watches that I review from micro brands that started off in Kickstarter. In fact, the, would you say the majority of them, micro brands you De- see now... Definitely, I mean, definitely a ton. Definitely a ton. Um, I mean, I can, I can think of probably three or four off the top of my head that are, that are, that are at least, at least started or, or one or two of their, you know, that or that they at- attempted to crowdfund, uh, with Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, Veya, mm-hmm. they started off on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and, and, um, Yemma mm-hmm. still do, they, they did that one couple of weeks ago where it was, a limited edition that they did on Kickstarter mm-hmm. of a watch that's already a successful model for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's that it's the uh, crowdfunding as a model. So uh, you know, for uh, for example, you know, if you if you have a product on your website and you're just like, okay, well, I, want, I mean, uh, Vayer does a did a very very good job of this. Um, where you know they have to collect you know the, okay we want to do a dive watch well you gotta you gotta get people's you know input in it you gotta get the community involved and kickstarter has that way of tapping into that so fast where where you can get a bunch of people who are like oh this thing's amazing and i would love it if it came in blue and if it has this bezel and you get that like immediate feedback that it it becomes its own sales model yeah. where companies will go back again and again to Kickstarter because they're like, we could list this watch on our site, but nobody's going to email us and ask us to make the bezel in blue. You know, whereas, whereas with the Kickstarter, with a, you know, funding campaign, you immediately can be like, yeah, we're going to make, 
we're gonna make uh four of the six of them so pick which one you want <laughs> and then in in a weekend you're like okay well uh we're gonna make eight thousand of these <laughs> so uh, no i totally agree with you it's a good way to gauge interest mm. i mean and it does have a the flip side to it as well now you know dave from detroit mint he had a unsuccessful kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. and it does involve a hell of a lot of marketing yeah. doesn't it like that those when you're reading the blurb i mean you're practically doing all the copy yourself it's like a mini website normally you have to do a video and yeah usually their production value has to be pretty high yep, yep you have to and you have to get all that stuff preloaded. whether you're going to you know the 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 hope is that you're going to sell millions of them or hundreds of thousands or whatever you know you're, you're the hope is a successful campaign uh and you you know the amount of work is equal if you have an unsuccessful campaign and don't sell a single one as if you sell out of your first and so i mean from it yeah you're preloading all the advertising um and i and i think again i think the market it was getting pretty saturated just to piggyback on your point there so apparently even though there's been a pandemic and we know that watch sales certain watch sales went crazy during the pandemic just because people were at home but Kickstarter wasn't one of them, and in fact, hmm. I didn't. Watch Pro have the stats here. So in 2017, uh, Kickstarter did 31 million 810,000 Swiss francs in wow. Watch. So like, maybe it's like 32 million dollars. By 2020, that figure was just short of 12 million Swiss francs. Wow. So it's halved than, yeah. basically yeah. in four years mm. i mean i I could guess maybe is that, that maybe it got oversaturated on oh, the watch yeah. things maybe yeah. i mean i had a kickstarter where the watch wasn't what it was really and i think that's become synonymous with kickstarter isn't it that you're really buying a prototype yeah i i would my guess Sometimes. would be my, my guess would be everybody's uh fashion washed out you know we're we're yeah everybody's everybody's got their fill of 250 dollar fashion watches so i i think that you know i i i think when that you know i i mean uh ben from uh, ben's watch club does i mean he just like he 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 gets on that a, a couple times with his stuff and and he absolutely nails it because it's like it is that uh we're disrupting the industry we're giving you luxury for less money i mean the, you know like if if every day you're getting you're getting a uh, an email to your you know through your spam that that says that you're just you're gonna be like yeah okay I gotta you know yeah it's become a trope hasn't it of these watch brands which is unfortunate for the legitimate yeah ones. so I think I think I would have to say unfortunately that'd be my guess of the number of like the number one seller on those would be the fashion one even as 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 much as it pains me to be uh to you know to want the uh independent uh you know uh, single you know single person single manufacturer uh bespoke uh mechanical watch manufacturers even though I would really love for them to do 16 million in sales, I feel like that's probably not the majority. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I thought it would have gone the other way because I certainly see a lot more advertised on Facebook mm-hmm. and things like that. Certainly more than I remember in 2017. But yeah, I I 
it's it's tough to weed out confirmation bias for sure. Yeah. But I I feel like I definitely feel like it's more often it's 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 more uh, talked about and it's it's more of a thing, you know. Um and and the only reason I give myself a pass on that is cuz I follow the everyday carry community and and if you look at everybody's like, you know, pocket dump where they just, you know, take what what, what are they wearing every day kind of thing. I notice now that it's a lot less um, just, you know, knives and flashlights. It's a knife, a flashlight, a watch, a watch, a flashlight, a watch, a, you know, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, number of, of smartwatches for sure. But, but more so I think people are, uh, guys are wearing watches more. And that's my, I, I think, you know, but again, but again, I, I'm I I'm with Sam on a watch podcast, so I I don't know which <laughs> I don't know what weighs up. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, before we dive into the uh, last two stories, let's just pause for a very quick ad break. Hey, it's Chris from the Casual Watch Talk podcast. As our longtime listeners know, we often talk about cars here on the pod, and that's no coincidence. Like a lot of mechanical watch lovers, we're both into cars and racing. A couple years ago, I curated a collection of automotive-inspired straps and started the Camping Auto Club. Camping Auto Club watch straps celebrate the rich history of automotive liveries with their inspired colors. Available in a single-pass NATO, two-piece, and our new super-comfy elastic NATO, check out Camping Auto Club on the web. That's championship in Italian, C-A-M-P-I-O-N-A-T-O dot club. Hey everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. So, I think these were, certainly the, the in our break, these are the two biggest watch stories weren't they chris do you want to kick it off with your pet tech uh, i'm gonna actually i'm gonna hold off and i'm gonna i'm gonna do one more about uh about our watch friend joe biden oh yeah so so yeah um, you know yeah so hey guys we have a we have a watch guy in the white house and uh no notably so uh joe biden uh, has a pretty pretty varied collection. I I haven't seen uh, an article besides what he was wearing on the inauguration, but I haven't seen um, anything updated. But I know he's got a Seiko Chronograph. He's got an Omega Seamaster. Uh, he's got a Speedmaster. Um, and I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned it. We were talking. I don't. I was it. It was maybe on here. Uh, someone was talking about. Uh, Joe Biden's commitment to the space administration, uh, commitment to NASA, and and I basically was like, listen, he's got aviator sunglasses and he and he has a Omega Speed Speedmaster, so I think I think NASA's going to be fine <laughs> from that standpoint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just from that standpoint. <laughs> I wonder if they still get their Vulcanes. I wonder if Vulcanes still I, give them. I I would have to. I think I think that's still a thing. I think that's still a thing. Um, I. I don't remember seeing that in the last in the last four years, but uh, we'll we'll have to keep a lookout for that. Uh, but he was spotted with uh, his uh, Rolex Datejust, so blue blue dial Rolex Datejust with the uh, Jubilee, which is not the so when he signed the um, when he signed the papers, he was wearing that. I noticed that. Yeah, he had it on for the, the inauguration papers. and and some other, and yeah. then he's known for um, his Omega Seamaster and and some other stuff. So he's got like a he's like a He's got like a gold, he's got a gold like Seiko, I think, as well. 
there's a whole bunch of watch. So, uh, you know, not uh, not anything, you know, not anything political, but definitely watch guy in the Oval Office, which is uh, just kind of cool. Um, and, uh, and, and interesting to see, um, it's, uh, you know, in other ways, um, you sometimes, you know, especially celebrities, you, you kind of think like, well, if this, if this person wears this type of watch, that sort of thing, um, you know, how does that, how does that make this person, you know, and, and I think being a watch nerd, ha- hanging out and going to events, that sort of thing. Uh, I think, uh, I think president Biden could, uh, could, could stop by and, uh, you know, show us his collection. I think he'd be completely welcome. So, (laughs) well, that was a good one. I'd completely forgotten about that one, Mm -hmm. but this one is probably a bit more controversial and I'm not quite sure I I know why or what, what the, I don't know what the fallout of this is going to be. I mean, it wouldn't affect me because I couldn't afford this watch anyway. Yeah. So the. The big news this week, uh, the Patek Philippe 5711 Nautilus has been discontinued. And everybody on the internet was, was, uh, was, was, I guess, you know, Sam, you, you didn't catch it. I think it's because you were maybe moving, but I also feel like, I also feel like when I saw this story, I, 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 your initial take was kind of the same as mine, which was, well, it was $60,000 or something I was not going to buy anyway, but, uh. But certainly, uh, for our uh, for our Patek uh, collectors out there, um, that well, is it was their most iconic, wasn't yeah. it? And it's accessible for one of theirs, right? And it's uh, whatever price that uh, that was already marked up uh, the quote unquote absurd price uh, that that uh, you know that was already marked up uh, to to know that it's discontinued. Anyone that has a you know a um, uh, Hulk or, uh, you know, Kermit or Rolex, these things. I mean, it's the minute they get, the minute they call that they're discontinued, the, you can just, it's money in the bank kind of thing. Yeah. I wonder whether they're, I, I tried to look on this stuff. I couldn't find a lot out on there and let us know over on the Facebook group if you found more than this, but I wonder whether it's going to be a new movement or a new watch. Because this was money in the bank for them, this watch, wasn't it? It was like the Rolex Daytona. I mean, these people are never going to stop buying right. the Nautilus. Yeah, I mean, the, the rumor was that the wait list was 10 years long. T- 10. <laughs> so, you know, for them, you know, I'm, you know, I would, I would, I would think that they, that another, another version or something else, but, uh, um, not sure, not sure what, uh, what we'll know. Uh, we're sort of, they left us in suspense. We went to, we won't know until we hear more, but, uh, yeah, 5711, not, not, no longer for sale. Yeah. I mean, I suppose this leads on nicely to this next story because there's so many homages to the Nautilus, isn't there? But, um, I suppose one of the most controversial ones and thanks to, uh, Stephen over on the, uh, Casual Watch Talk Facebook group for he actually texted me this as soon as it came <laughs> out and I was kind of looking at it. The controversy is is that Zenith released a Chrono Master Sport with their El Primero movement in mm-hmm. them, and it bears a passing resemblance to be on the nice side with the Rolex Daytona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that ceramic bezel, very similar. I don't think it's got the screw in pushes. 
If you had them side by side, which so many have done, the hands are similar for sure. The dial layout is similar for sure. But Zenith is, people are calling it a homage, but I, it's a three registered chronograph. Yeah, and it's, I I find that hard. I mean, I think that, I think you're being too tough. I think the folks that are saying it's a homage, it's a little tough on them. I mean, they have their three color regist- sub-registered chronographs. So it's, a, so it's a light gray, gray, blue. So I mean that's a that's a Zenith thing. They've got their logo and their star the same that that, that they do. Um, I saw the ceramic bezel, and my first thought was that uh, Fortis uh, cosmonaut. Okay. Um, you know, as far as what the what that looks like, I I, I didn't I didn't look at this and say I didn't think Daytona right off the bat. I I think the elephant in the room is the history that Zenith, the watchmaker, used to provide the movements for the Rolex Daytona. Yes, because this, if anybody's not familiar with Zenith, arguably they made the first column wheel chronograph, the first automatic chronograph, mm-hmm. didn't they? But I think there's other people that lay claim to that, but they are an iconic, like you said, they're an iconic brand mm-hmm. in their own yeah. right. They are... And their prices are similar to what a Rolex is. I mean, this is only two grand cheaper than an actual Daytona. Now, of course, you can't buy a Daytona <laughs> right. uh, now. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the watch industry is weird like that, isn't it? Where if, if it was any other, well, maybe not any other industry, but say, for example, you suddenly had a car that was like extremely successful and there was a wait list for the car. Mm-hmm. You would just, Ford would just build another factory just making that car, like they did with the F-150. Right. They're not suddenly constraining F-150s because it's the most popular uh, truck that they make. They're building factories all around the world, whereas Rolex are like, no, we we don't want to sell any more of these. We won't build another factory. Uh, I mean, you know, know, they're on a level where they, you know, even even if they aren't, lightly touching the dials of supply chain control even if let's say they aren't lightly you know with a light touch where we only make so many because we only want so many on the used market because we only want so many in ad's even if that is not the case because they are the status that they have um it, it affords them that sort of status where it's going to be a a a good like that I well, and they're a charitable foundation as well, aren't they? So right. I'll say something controversial. Do they not want the charity to have more money? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> it's like Just the only charity in history that's like, no, we don't want it. We're but, all right. But much like the Red Cross, I'm I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the the uh, chief operating officer or the uh, CEO of the the director of the Red Cross, I'm sure is is well paid. Just like the director of Rolex is very well paid. <laughs> so. I know, I know, and that was that was a that was a more slight. Yeah. In fact, I should do a video on that, the Hans Wildorf Foundation, because I'm not even sure what it supports. Yeah. whether it's yeah. or if it's just it's, it's sort of its own. I mean, you know, there are, there are a bunch of you know there are a bunch of foundations that certainly can can do good in the world, uh, but also they have enough money that that they can just put it in a bank and make enough money to make enough money to make enough money, you know, just live off. You know, I would love to live off the interest of one of those bank accounts, you know, cause you'd have no problem. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if Rolex suddenly span up like three 
additional Rolex factories. Mm. We're going off on a tangent here, but I don't think anybody would think any less of them, would they? They would just think, well, that's industry, that's capitalism, yeah, that's right? supply yeah, and demand. Yeah, like... Uh, you know what though i it's the uh, you know what though you bring up a good point i uh, honestly i believe i i think maybe the opposite maybe like the i mean, like true connoisseur watch people true connoisseur rolex people would be like oh, they packing it in it's packed it up like forget it like they're like nissan centers now nobody wants them <laughs> you know and uh even though they'd have every every right to sort of got you know yeah, control their supply chain is interesting but well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Apple. The Apple Watch is outselling yeah. Rolex, and Apple are like built, making these things in these all over China. Like they're going out of fashion. I mean, there's never going to be a constrained supply right. of Apple right. watches, but people don't think any less of the Apple Watch. Yeah. They're just like, I want yeah. one. So I, yeah. when you're knocking Maybe. out, you know, you've saved up twelve grand for a Daytona, mm. and suddenly, like some, you know, somebody that works at a, an AD looks down their nose at you and is like, oh, that's a five year waiting list. And you're like. Sorry, you know, I've obviously worked very hard for this 12 round. Right. Like, you know, uh, 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 know, nowhere else would they, like, you know, kick you out the door, would they? Oh, you've only got 12. Maybe Hermes handbags, but, you know, it's like people are almost like a glutton for punishment. It's like you're rich enough to be told no. (laughs) But I I mean, so I, I don't. You know, I, I can I can see sort of the and 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 I think maybe just because of the connection, that's that's why people can sort of draw a quick, um, you know, uh, they made a sim similar styled sport chronograph, um, that you know, oh well, it's you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a homage to, um, I don't I don't see it as a homage. I see no, the technology in the back. They're a they're a absolutely cutting edge technology as far as their movements are concerned um it's a beautiful looking watch and then for that um i i think maybe they're getting some of that guff and this is back to my previous point maybe they're getting some of that guff because they are challenging people's idea of what a luxury swiss uh, Rolex Daytona is as far as technology, as far as luxury, as far as finishing, as far as the, you know, the, the whole package, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you... they're challenging that. And then, that, and that's why you're getting that sort of reaction. That's an excellent point. Actually, it's maybe it's saying, look, you're waiting on these endless lists for Rolex Daytonas. We've just made a better one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've just we've how it should be made. We made the original Rolex movement. They've largely probably mm-hmm. not really enhanced it from our original one. So we're just going to hit you with the brand new El Primero. It looks the piece. Mm-hmm. We're knocking it out two grand less. Mm-hmm. And if you want one, you can have it. Arguably, assuming that the assuming that the uh, you never hear of El Primeros going people on waiting lists and stuff right, like that. Right, right, right. It's I mean, and and I think. Uh, and again, that's sort of part of it. I mean, I, I think, uh, they, that brand, I think, I think Zenith is, you know, we, we talked about some, you know, Zenith a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I think they're in that area where you, you can get, you can get Swiss luxury, top of the line, Swiss luxury stuff and, and not have it and not have it be the the you know i was on a waiting list for you know five years and and i was given the opportunity to buy a 
you know, this particular watch. Uh, so it's a different, it's going after a different, it's going after a different market. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're saving up and you're on the Daytona list and, and that is what you really want to go for and great, that's, you know, that's cool. Um, and then if you get, and you manage to get a hold of one, cool. Um, but you also know you're paying, uh, an, an extra, you know, an extra Rolex tax on that to get, to get into that realm, which is, you know, we talk about sports cars all the time. I'm sure, you know, as they don't, uh, they don't, they are not going to offer me the brand new, uh, you know, Ferrari when it comes out, you have to be, you have to be a, a member of the family, you know, the Ferrari family you have had to previously own a couple of their cars, uh, be a caretaker of their brand, things like that. So that's, you know, that's, that's where, where Rolex is coming from. And it's sort of incomparable on, you know, it's like a, not a fair comparison, um, to, to Zenith in this, in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, uh, we kind of lit the, uh, lit the fuse there. So let us know what you guys think over on the Facebook group. As always, we really do appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.